welcome to Beauties and Headcanons, where we're nerdy and you probably are too. I'm Tegan and I'm here today with Lindsay and we're here to talk nerdy to you about The Mummy, specifically 1999's film The Mummy featuring Brandon Fraser, <laughs> Rachel Weisz, and a whole bunch of incredibly wonderful and talented people in the cast. Um, I know normally, like, you know, in October, when it's, it's approaching Halloween, we usually kind of have a little bit more spoopy vibe going on, and we haven't really had that this month, but, you know, I, I suppose we decided to subvert expectations a little bit, kind of like this movie does in a few ways. So we wanted to kind of revisit this classic. I know Brendan Fraser has some new, like, kind of projects coming up that's kind of exciting. And, you know, this movie is over 20 years old now. It is 22 years old. That that kind of um, makes me feel a little something. But, you know, even with the passage of time, I... You know, think it's really important to sometimes revisit certain movies, especially uh, a movie like this, in which I think it really like holds up really well. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that today. And because I wanted to really devote, you know, this episode to it, I don't have a gaming corner this week. But that's okay, because we have a lot of really cool things to talk about anyway with The Mummy. (laughs) What's funny about this movie is that, like, I didn't exactly forget about it, but um, things sort of, like, played into each other because I, um, we just watched uh, Black Widow and Rachel Weisz is in that. And it's, like, really cool to see, to hear her, like, do these accents. And I don't even know what she sounds like in real life. Yeah. Um, because she has these really wonderful accents in both of the movies I've seen her in. I'm sure I've seen her in other stuff. I can't really think of those right now. But... Um, like segueing into um, telling my family we were going to watch The Mummy um, and that it was like homework for uh, Beauties and Headcanons was hilarious. <laughs> but um, Ash has also started talking about how she wants to start getting into horror movies um, and scary movies in general. And, uh, you know, we, we made her see a couple things that weren't t- typically um, scary movies or thought of as horror movies. So, mm-hmm. um one of Jason's like movies that he thinks is like the the scariest thing he saw when he was about her age was Alien. And oh yeah, there are things about that movie that are actually petrifying that will stay oh, with yeah. you and give you nightmares. Mm-hmm. And the same thing about the Mummy. Honestly, um, I hadn't actually thought about it, but there are scenes where I was like, okay, nightmare fuel. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> And the, I know we're going to talk about it, but like the CGI and the special effects that happen in this movie are uh, uh, like way beyond their time, first mm-hmm. of all, um, because I've seen movies from that same genre, uh, same era, and they're, they're not quite the same. They just don't, they don't have the same visual effect. And I, I was like really super impressed with how well it stood up and, um, the moment halfway through the movie where she's like, okay, um, that's scary. Mm-hmm. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, I don't remember there being real. It was like, there's no zombies or anything, but there's definitely yeah. some <laughs> mummies in the preparation room that I wasn't exactly prepared myself to. The whole uh, uh, body horror aspect. Yes, yes, the whole body horror aspect. So let's first talk about um, genrefication because I know you yes. wanted to to kind of talk about that 
And I think that's really important to, to deal with because especially this time of year, I really want to watch like horror. Like I want to, I want to feel the October vibes and, yeah. and get into the, the spoopy uh, uh, stuff that we normally do. And I really have been kind of like lacking this year in the sense where I'm not watching like typical scary stuff. And the typical scary stuff that I have been watching has been like Netflix, uh, new 2020, 2021 stuff that's come out recently, which is Mm -hmm. interesting in in the sense that uh, the stuff that is uh, being said to scare us that is horror, they're really like reaching, they're really um, uh, pushing the envelope in a lot of places where um, I'm not sure how I feel about a lot of like the spoopy, creepy stuff lately. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like they're trying too hard when we could just go back to something um, I don't know. I I know it's all been done. I know now we're redoing movies. Yeah. Not to even mention that the Mummy's been done three times, and we're talking about not even the most recent yeah. um, <laughs> rendition of it. Um, I didn't even know that um, some guy named Tom did. did oh yeah, totally obscure. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and that there was a version before Brendan Fraser's that mm-hmm. was also um, a, a bit. Not 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 as good as Brendan's. So yeah, I'm. Um, I just think it's great that like we're talking about this and it's October and it's like the dead end of of spoopy season, and we're gonna talk about something like the Mummy that we've we haven't talked about before, but um, it isn't even like a horror movie in in the traditional uh, classical sense. sense. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, just like a little bit of history, obviously, you know, there was a mummy movie back in kind of the more classic days of Hollywood. I believe it came out in 1932. If I'm remembering that correctly, I'm a bit like odd on years, but it, you know, originally came out then. And, you know, the mummy was a part of Universal's like classic monsters like Frankenstein and Dracula and all that because they, you know, had their that was their like classic horror genre then. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they remade it, obviously, in 1999. They uh, Now it's been forever since I've watched the original Mummy, but I believe they did add on, like, you know, a lot of different things to the Mummy in 1999 that just really worked very, very well. And I think part of the reason, at least, that the recent, I think it was 2018 version of the Mummy... 2017. Tom, 2017. Oh, it was close. Um... I think part of the reason that that particular one didn't work is because when they went to remake it yet again, they kind of lost track of what really connected with audiences and what people really, really liked about 1999's The Mummy. You know, whereas I think they in 2017, they leaned a little bit more into the supernatural, the horror, the kind of action adventure Mm -hmm. aspects of it. But in 1999, they had a lot of different facets to the story, and all of those facets were really given equal weight and importance in the in the whole story. So, you know, obviously there's the action-adventure element. There's a lot going on with that. Um, but there's also, you know, some very smart and intelligent moments, some, you know, kind of almost like historical or like 
pseudo historical kind of things going on with that um you obviously get like the supernatural and the body horror with the mummies and all of that uh you get comedy because there's a lot of like you know kind of quippy sassy things that are you know said between the characters and a lot of like little moments that come off as comedic even though like they're not exaggerated it's just sort of like comedy of the moment and kind of funny but at the same time you know it doesn't like completely break and ruin the tension and what's going on and then obviously you know you have the romance between rick and evie and how it develops over the course of the whole movie you know they aren't the kind of couple that you know they just get completely doe-eyed over each other when they first lay eyes on each other you know they do have kind of a moment where like oh okay yeah that, that person's kind of cute but you know it's not like an instant thing like oh they're in love you know like it really develops over the course of the movie so you know you have all of these different elements that you know on their own are their own genres but in the context of this story they're all given the same weight and importance and so because of that i kind of dubbed this this movie genre fluid because it just kind of effortlessly goes in between all of these different things you know you'll have an action adventure sequence and you'll have something funny happen during it you might have some romantic things later on you might you know you'll have something supernatural pop up you'll have something kind of body horror or horror related kind of happen and it, you know it just it, it doesn't feel stilted it doesn't feel like it's pushing one over the other it doesn't feel like you know one thing is given importance over the other and i think that's why or potentially part of the reason why 2017's mummy just did not perform well because they didn't do that <laughs> you know to to do that you know obviously takes a nice amount of effort into story writing into planning you know putting together characters and arcs that are going to work and going to make it good. And, you know, Hollywood, we want to make a quick buck. You know, I mean, we just talked about, you know, the whole, you know, remakes and reboots thing with um, with one of our recent episodes. So, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, why actually put effort into this if there's a built-in audience? But the thing is, is if you don't do it well, uh, it's still not going to go that great. <laughs> I know my husband made a comment, you know, where... It seems like at least some people in Hollywood are like, oh, well, you know, when you guys want to make money without doing hard work, you're just a lazy millennial. But when we want to make money without doing hard work, we're ambitious and innovative, you know? <laughs> I think it's funny, honestly, if you if you look at like the numbers, the budget for the 2017 was like twice what the budget was for mm -hmm. um, the 1999. And the box office was... Let me four four hundred and ten million for the twenty seventeen. Mm -hmm. Let me go just go back real quick and find out what it was for the ninety nine real quick because I was looking at this and I was like, well, you, you've got to be kidding me. The numbers are so completely different because I didn't want to I didn't want to pretend like we know everything about the, yeah. the movies right because I'm always like, oh, I don't know if that's right. Did they really not do well financially? So I'm just kind of like double checking your oh yeah what you said. Totally. But I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So the box office was about the same actually. Um, but I mean, but, I mean that's that 18 was, years of difference. Yeah, between that. So yeah. when you take into account 18 years of difference and it did similarly, and, you know, the critical and audience reception was so different, you know, because with this 2017 movie, Universal was hoping to do kind of almost like an MCU thing with their different monsters and, like, make up a whole, like, monster universe thing. But 
with the reception of the mummy, they kind of just shelved the whole thing. And so, I mean, I think that speaks volumes to where, you know, they just, they didn't even want to go forward with it anymore. You know, that, that kind of says a lot. Whereas the mummy got two sequels. Well, it got a good sequel. And then the third one kind of did, we're we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) We're we're not going to acknowledge it really. Well, it was Um, like 2008 when that last one came out. And I think the hype was kind of done, I guess. I don't know. That they, they read, there was a whole issue with Rachel Weisz and I believe, I don't know like all the details, but they basically recast Evie and the actress they recast her at that they recast, you know, nothing against her. I actually don't know much about her or her work, but she did not really do a great job with the Evie character that we know, you know? So lots of things I think kind of doomed that particular sequel, but the first, the 1999 and it's direct sequel, absolutely wonderful. So uh, anyway, we've been talking a bit about the genrefication, and I kind of want to get into, like, you know, the really good things about this movie, because there are a lot of them. <laughs> so many of them, really. Okay, number one. Number one, um, I mean, really, again, like, as a writer, this is, like, kind of really important to me, but characters and their character arcs and how they're used. Um, it, you know, obviously, when I first watched this, you know, it w- I was quite young, Um, and so I didn't like really pick up on and like recognize a lot of different things, but you know, as I've been rewatching it lately, uh, I've rewatched it like twice now within the past week. Um, I kind of had a light bulb moment where I realized that the relationship between Evie and Jonathan was very reminiscent of, and was framed very similarly to that of Sokka and Katara from Avatar The Last Airbender. They're siblings who, you know, they just kind of, they kind of get on each other's nerves and kind of exasperate each other sometimes. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they absolutely love and support each other unconditionally. And you see that within their first interaction when Evie catches Jonathan in um, the library, you know, and she's frustrated and she tells him about being rejected by the beverage scholars like his very first reaction now this is a man who ordinarily is like you know very focused on treasure getting money getting rich all of that but his very first reaction is to kneel down in front of her take her hand and tell her well you still got me old mom and that speaks volumes to their relationship where you know he knows she's smart and he's going to support her no matter what and you know it's just this reassurance that i'm here for you you know and despite everything else i'm going to be here for you so you know, it just really struck me as reminding me of Sokka and Katara, where, you know, they get on each other's nerves, but they're still going to come back and, you know, fight with each other and watch each other's backs and, you know, be loving and supportive no matter what. So, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, really, really important in a sibling relationship where, you know, sometimes you see in movies or TV shows or what have you that siblings are either like always at each other's throat or just, you know, always you know, that loving and supportive. And, you know, in in reality, it's not always that way. Like, I'm sure it is that way for some siblings. But, you know, realistically, siblings are going to get on each other's nerves. They're going to annoy you, (laughs) things like that. But, you know, there's still that bond there where you still ultimately love each other. And I think that was just really well portrayed and written. Well, yeah, and it's funny, too, because it's it's not, like, forced or fake. Mm -hmm. Um, I always have this issue a lot of times when... um, shows are doing banter or when they're they're trying to show off a relationship and Mm -hmm. 
it's it's a little too show offy mm -hmm. or it's forced or they're not even like paying attention to what the other person says. Yeah. So you know that they're just saying their line, they're not really reacting. Yeah. Um and I I mean I see it a lot in like primetime television. I'm sure everyone who's listened to us for a while has heard me say it a few times where I'm just like, you know, all I really want is for them to actually pretend like they're reacting to each other when they're talking to each other. Yeah. And um, there will be moments where, like, two people will be walking forward and someone will say something and then the other one will say their line and their line is in reaction, but nothing about their body or the way they said it reacts to how what was just said. Mm -hmm. um, but especially between um, Evie and her brother, there's so much, like, you, you feel like you you know that they've known each other for a long time that they that you've you've been able to like sort of see that they you know that they've grown up together so it's mm -hmm. it's really it's really refreshing to see um that done so well and the her brother is obviously like the comedic relief yeah um, he's <laughs> john hannah is fantastic know, for that <laughs> yeah he's the he's kind of the, the screw up he's he doesn't have things quite together. Um, he's uh, always, uh, you know, looking for new money schemes um, and doesn't have any money and um, is always trying to figure out other ways to get more um, cheap and easy ways. Right. Like yeah. the, the easiest way to make a big amount of cash with the least amount of effort possible, um, no matter what the scheme is. And. Um, Evie clearly has seen this all before mm -hmm. and knows knows his shtick, and um, we know it pretty quickly too. So, like the the character is pretty well developed from the beginning, and we get to see that. Um, I I even like relationship wise between the two of them felt very uh, like I didn't even have to suspend disbelief much. Mm -hmm. It was very um, organic. Yeah, yeah, it was very like good to see and easy and and that was what was really cool too even about like the the relationshipment of um evie and brendan fraser's character because i felt rick. very much like i yes. rick yes i don't i don't see him as a brick but okay yeah <laughs> so even like seeing it wasn't forced it wasn't even like evie wasn't even like uh, terribly sexualized until you saw her in like the the belly dancer um, harem type outfit. I was like, okay, um, yeah, sure. Now, now I can see that everybody else is interested in her yeah. too. <laughs> um, but up until that point, I wasn't. It, it didn't feel like that's what I was supposed to be looking at. And mm -hmm. in social media, even recently, there's been a couple of like memes that I've seen where they talk about. And I don't mean to go back to Black Widow, but I'm gonna do it <laughs> um, because someone had said. There was a meme of her, like, from the very beginning where, where there was cleavage and, you know, mm -hmm. her first, like, the, her first appearance, which was yeah. actually later on in her um, in her character story, mm -hmm. um, where there was lots of cleavage and, and, you know, she was playing that character who was um, sexualized and basically, you know, using her physical prowess to get what she wanted and then or what you know they thought she wanted or whatever and and then we get um just now the the black widow movie where she's you know all buttoned up and zipped up and we don't see very much skin or anything like that but i i'm having even trouble with that kind of concept because like mm -hmm. sure we're there now but we weren't before and mm -hmm. is it really like the marvel universe's uh fault for doing that or is it more society's fault for doing something like that because yeah. in 1999 were we um was it just that we didn't need our attention to be 
grabbed by sexualism or is it now like um, that it's so much more so evident in what we're um, putting out for people to consume that it's just like part of our everyday we don't even notice it anymore yeah Um, Uh, and I think you know especially when we look back and you know even after like we've had discussions of sexualization of female characters you know I think it's especially easier to see like when we look back when you know standards and expectations were different we can see you know how how different it might look then well, sure hindsight's 2020 yeah 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 <laughs> um but it was refreshing to see a character who wasn't like all about let me put my boobs in your face yeah kind of thing yeah um and that that's what I really absolutely love about Evie's character and her arc because, you know, she's even though she does get captured at one point, I would never label her as a damsel in distress because she is always very active. She takes control. I mean, she she's kind of, you know, part of this whole reason that, you know, these events in the story takes place, you know, because she's you know, she advocated for, you know, going to Hymenoptera. She found Rick and you know, free had him freed. You know, she kind of helped fund the whole expected expedition. She found and read from the Book of the Dead. You know, she figured out how to defeat Imhotep, and you know, she has this fantastic sense of agency that is really refreshing. That you don't even nowadays, it's hard to find some female characters that have that same amount of agency. And all while, mm-hmm. you know, again, like you said, she's not like shoving her boobs in your face and saying, oh, hey, look at me, I'm sexy. You know, she is sexy, but in the way that she's very smart and, you know, she takes charge, you know, it's a different kind of energy about her. And, you know, again, like this just, you know, feeds back into the whole creating good characters and good stories where, you know, she's well-rounded, she's well-developed, and, you know, obviously when you plop characters like that into a story, it's much easier to then tell a good story, whereas when you just pull some random characters that are not very well-developed, that are a little bit more two-dimensional, you know, it's much more of a struggle to mm. to get a good story out of that. Right, right. If you don't care about the characters, you don't care about the story. Right, exactly. You know, because that, that's kind of part of what draws you in, isn't it? You know, you want to find right. out what happens, and you want to find out what happens to the characters and what they do and how they react. So it, it, all, it all feeds into each other. All right, so let's talk about body horror. Yes, oh my gosh. So, like, re-watching it especially, like, there's a lot more body horror that and you know kind of supernatural tension and horror that I even like kind of remembered um I'm the kind of person I absolutely love horror like I watched stuff like Predator and Aliens and stuff like that and you know different horror movies like when I was you know like 12 13 probably a little bit too young but you know there you go like that's just the kind of person I am so you know when I initially watched the mummy I didn't really pick up on that because you know compared to something like predator or like alien then you know it is obviously much less but when you look at it in the context of the story itself you see like ooh, that is really creepy ooh, that is really like mm. you know because when you get like the flesh-eating scarabs and you get the people <laughs> the priests and emotep being made into mummies and being buried alive and you know the mummy regenerating and all of that stuff it's it, it definitely gets into that territory and it, again like it's 
I'm talking about, you know, the balancing of the genres, you know, I, I would still never label this necessarily a strictly horror movie. But again, like the whole genre fluid thing, it just kind of easily goes in between these different things. So uh, it, it's very refreshing. And, and also, I really appreciate that they didn't really go overboard with it because I see, you know, obviously, especially after watching certain movies that were just mm, terribly, uh, em- you know, just a great emphasis on gore for no real reason than to have mm. an emphasis on gore. You know, it is refreshing to see restraint where, you know, certain things I could definitely see where they would really, they could potentially play into it a lot more, but they don't. They make it a little bit more subtle, like in that kind of lens and that kind of idea. So I think that makes it work much better in that way, if that makes any kind of sense. So, oh, yes, it's it's just... Mm. Again, like it, it all comes back to the writing. And when you put in a good effort and when you have a good balance, you know, you get, you can have the chance to explore all kinds of different things within a story that maybe you might not be able to if you just threw something together. Again, like kind of going back to the Tom Cruise version, like, you know, they obviously had very specific focuses of that story that. You know, because they didn't really put that effort in, because, you know, they chose to do it that way, they weren't able to pull on all of these different other different aspects that, again, brought a kind of balance to 1999's The Mummy. Yeah, so I, I just want to talk about how, like, cringy I was. Uh, not, like, cringy in the in the way kids use it nowadays, but, like... Yeah. Covering, covering my face and stuff mm-hmm. when the scarabs were, were going under the oh skin. Oh my gosh, I was, yeah. I was mortified. I, I, don't, I that, don't know why. And that's such a great example of, you know, special effects and everything. Because again, this movie was made in 1999. There are movies made mm-hmm. far after 1999 that their effects are nowhere near as good. And you would think that would be the opposite, but no, I... I think especially in the 90s, there were certain movies like Jurassic Park, like The Mummy, where, you know, they had CGI, there was that capability, but, you know, the technology wasn't, it wasn't the same level that it is today, obviously. So I think they kind of had to be a little bit more picky choosy as to where they put it and how they did it and how they integrated special effects, you know, the CGI special effects with practical effects, with, you know, physical things, with uh, even backdrops and paintings and all that stuff. Because when the movie opens, you know, it spans over, uh, I, I believe they're in, the- yeah, the, they, it, the camera spans over Thebes. And I could see, well, not like see, but like I could kind of tell like where they might have like set pieces, where there might be CGI. And even the background, I'm like, it was that a painting that they did back there because that was something that they did or that they used to do like use background use like paintings for the background and they don't really do that much anymore it's i don't know if it's a lost art necessarily but you know it really kind of it really kind of tied things together in a way that i think green screens and cgi don't always make that mark if you know what I mean where especially like if the CGI budget isn't fantastic where you it really stands out a lot more 
if that makes if if uh, I'm making any sense here. Yeah, I've I've seen them where they didn't mesh them quite so mm-hmm. well, or where you could you could definitely tell. Even things as recent as uh, a Star Wars movie or two, where things oh, just yeah. weren't. But things were just quite right. Yeah. yeah, or the recent Hobbit movies where mm, the CGI was like was like uh, Peter. I, I know you can commission better CGI than this. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm. I feel like um, I heard that the whole Mummy 2017 movie was um, planned to like bring about all of the classic mm-hmm. uh, horror guys again, like Dracula yeah. and how um, the 2017 movie not doing quite as well um, sort of put the kibosh on that. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and um, with the whole, you know, introduction of The Mummy in 1999, like, you know, with, with movies, with TV shows that, you know, particularly catch on um, and go like, I mean, these days we would call it going viral, but, you know, when they get really popular, they can sometimes put a really big emphasis on something that the public will just all of a sudden like be obsessed with for a little while kind of like in a uh, titanic where all of a sudden like after the movie came out like everybody was just like scrounging for like information about it and you know like reading things about it watching things about it there was just this public hunger for that um and then like when the animated anastasia movie come out again like you know people were just like kind of you know, hungering for information, anything about it, because they wanted to learn more. And I feel like the same kind of things happened with The Mummy, where all of a sudden people were interested in ancient Egypt and Egyptology and, you know, reading about it, studying about it, you know. And I know I was a part of that, too, because, I mean, for one, I am, like, kind of a history nerd. I, I like learning things and reading things about history, especially... You know, especially like non-American history, since that's so emphasized in the American education system. You know, I really love reading about different historical periods in different countries that we don't, you know, at least in our education system, we don't really get to learn about. So especially something like ancient Egypt, I was really intrigued by. I, I actually ended up doing one of my high school science projects on mummification and kind of showing like how mummification worked and demonstrating it with an apple. Um, I, I actually kind of regret not uh, doing my experiment a little earlier because if I had, I could have used a chicken to demonstrate it and then I could have called him King Cluck in Common and I, I missed I missed the opportunity for that and that's on me it's totally on me but it, it was a very good uh, project and, and I got an A on it so you know it, it all worked out in the end but you know again it just it kind of revives an interest in a subject and I think it's really interesting that you know when you get a story like that that you know, involves a certain subject and the story really resonates with people and they enjoy it, then they go seek out that subject themselves and try and learn about it themselves. I I think that is kind of a really good thing to, you know, add to the mummy's kind of reputation because, you know, there was just this whole revival of mummies after that. And well, not just mummies, but, you know, learning about different kinds of mummies, learning about ancient Egypt and it, 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 it was a thing. It was just one of those fads that people kind of got interested in. And then, you know, obviously as time went on, interest kind of dwindled down, at least in like popular culture and, you know, the kind of public perception again. But I, I will still always have a love for mummies in ancient Egypt still because of this movie. Right. I feel like it's even um, sort of a, a way to get kids like 
interested in anything different it, mm-hmm. I start looking into um, like Victorian dress and stuff the minute I started watching Penny Dreadful so uh, or Peaky Blinders or something like that mm-hmm. like just um, wanting to know how accurate things are I guess that's probably more of an adult feature of mine because um, I don't know that I would have cared so much when I was little but um, I do feel like there's there's definitely an insurgence of wanting to know more um, when you get to love a movie as much as this one. I also wanted to note that, you know, they had um, a couple of really prominent uh, characters of color and they had actors of color in those roles. And I thought that was really important, um, even in like, you know, 1999, to have these characters and these actors in the position that they were. Um, the actor who played Anaksuna Moon, uh, Patricia Velasquez, she's Venezuelan. Um, and the uh, actor who played Ardith Bay, Oded Fair. So it, it's it, it was really interesting to see, like, again, like a balance because obviously you have, you know, like the main, main characters who we usually follow through the whole story, but then we have these uh, secondary characters who still have a great importance to the story and they still are active and have a lot of agency in that story. And it's not... You know, again, we don't really get a whole lot of, you know, that kind of thing, you know, in 1999. We didn't, we still don't always have that kind of thing, even in 2021. So, again, I think right. this is still a very important thing to point out and to, you know, experience in this film. That's one of the reasons I absolutely love Black Panther is getting to see a whole cast of black people and people of color in general and you know you have precisely one white character of significance and you know usually it's reversed and it mm-hmm. you know it shows that you know you can tell stories and you could have characters of color in these you know important positions where you know they do things in the story that are you know very important to the plot and important to the other characters as well and that helped drive the plot along. And it's, again, just really important to have that representation. And obviously they could have still done better even with, you know, I know there were some stereotypes and there were, you know, they could have maybe done, a, they could have definitely done, you know, better with some of the casting, some of the, um, like like some of the designs and some, some of that. I know they could have still done better, but even for its time, I think it was really great to see. And I think it was important to see. So, again, like, just more and more good about this movie. Okay, so I think I've touched on everything that I wanted to make sure we touched on. Um, Big takeaways are that um, I was scared, uh, probably about as much as I was when I was 14 or 15 when I first saw it, which I think is funny because that's how old my daughter is now. (laughs) How did did Ash react to it? She was just about as mortified as I was when we saw the mummies <laughs> walking around. Um, and we really enjoyed looking up the plagues, too. Um, oh, yeah. The uh, Ten Plagues of Egypt. They were um, not... They didn't get as far as, like, you know, uh, Passover and taking the first child. But I enjoyed, like, the um, the little uh, the little infos about um, the language of the slaves and... Mm-hmm. Um, some some of the historical kinds of throws were were really mm-hmm. exciting to me. I um and she was the same way. She she was like, oh, but uh, wait, what are the ten plagues? And so we sat there talking about what they were and 
the locusts and the frogs and um and the blood the yes river of yes blood. and the yep the water turning to blood yep there was there was some really cool um elements to to the movie that really had me excited mm-hmm. and um the the book of the dead and and um was it it wasn't the book of life was it no the book of Ra. Mm-hmm. um it, it that that was like really really exciting to me i tend to get real excited about things that are even loosely um referenced in history so i had a lot of fun um pointing those things out and you know i've always got my phone on me so i'm, I'm looking it up uh you know googling this that and the other thing the whole time so um it was it was it was a really fun adventure for us to to enjoy together especially something that holds up so well yeah. so much later you know we we talk all the time about things that are like oh you know i'm i'm over the remakes and oh why do we have to do this again and um things that are really stretching um but like i said with with horror movies that are really stretching the the boundaries of what we what we are looking at and i i felt like the mummy really did all it did all the right things um mm-hmm. and I, I would watch it again right now, even though I just saw it a, a little while ago. So I, I feel like it's a, it's one of those that you don't expect it to be as good as it is. Um, I did also want to kind of play off of the idea that um, I feel like Rick and Evie's characters were uh, kind of called back a little bit to like the Indiana Jones genre. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that whole um, feeling of like the rugged uh, adventurer, um, but it was kind of cool for, for Rick to not be flaunting knowledge so much as, and Evie wasn't either. So I'm, I'm really, like, I'm really excited about, like, the things that were sort of played off of, mm-hmm. but that they, they did better in a yeah. way. Like, like I, in a positive I, light. Yeah, yeah. I, I never felt like, ugh, or like I had to pause and discuss something with Ash yeah. and be like, no, no, that's not how this should be. No, no, no. There, yeah. there wasn't a single moment like that. We were just excitedly talking about it rather than having to, like, you know, deter from the, the elements of the story. Mm-hmm. The, the, the whole story was great. And I was oh, I yeah. was really excited for that because so much of the time I, I feel like I have to say, OK, well, that doesn't hold up well. Mm-hmm. Ah, that didn't <laughs> age great. Yeah. And there's a lot that really aged quite well, especially like, you know, the diversification of the cast. I I hadn't even thought of that. And um I know there's a character who, I don't know if it was the same actress that you had mentioned that was from Venezuela, but I saw her recently, um, I think, in a horror movie. And um, it's just really cool to see, like, characters like that um, that are still acting, doing other stuff. Um, I have this wonderful benefit of uh, being engaged to a man who knows voices. Like, it's nothing. Oh, Um, yeah. Same for me. (laughs) Yeah, he will tell me, oh, this, you know, Joe Blow in this movie is actually this other person in this other movie that, you know, we watched back in 2007. And I'll be like, huh? And then (laughs) for some stupid reason, I keep thinking that I can go on IMDb and prove him wrong. But more often than not, he's right. And that that's like and he does it with faces now, too. And I'm just like, you know, can't we just enjoy the movie? No. (laughs) But, you know, it's a blessing and a curse for sure. Yeah, yeah. It really, it it really, like, just makes me excited to see that we're, you know, still seeing things that 
uh, people are putting out that acting is is alive and well and that we get to like share these kinds of things with our kids and this one especially that I didn't have to I didn't have to put any what's it? didn't have to put any ratings on it and tell her oh no yeah. that's it's not quite because it it really it, it really made me proud to be a 90s kid oh yeah yeah and you know even today like it's it's legacy is still enduring like obviously you know people still talk about it and they love it but even in media like it's it's still important and it's still you know had like there's little things even nowadays that still has references to it um Mm -hmm. my husband and i were just watching something and now of course i'm going to completely forget it Uh, but we were just watching something and it had a moment where a character was backing up against a monster and they were holding up what looked like different like holy symbols and i'm like that's benny that's benny when he meets imhotep like even nowadays it still has that oh i loved that yes so it just even with all of the references and obviously you know there's of course the meme with the whole you know you know with benny when he says you know hey we got all the horses and rick is like oh well you're on the wrong side of the river (laughs) you know there's the meme where it goes back and forth and so it's 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 very good it's very very good and i it, it still has its legacy even today where you know obviously the writers and you know the the people who are working on all of this media today they still fall obviously fondly remember it because they're still slipping in little references here and there to the film yeah no i definitely feel that all right so So i i think you know again like it this isn't like a necessarily a uh even anniversary of it you know it's not like a 20th anniversary or 25th anniversary or something like that (laughs) but you know i i still think this is a great time um especially with brendan fraser's new project coming out like i i think it's still a fantastic time to revisit some of his you know other work especially this one and just really appreciate him for who he is and what he does i know you know he had um he had issues, you know, some content warning, obviously, but he had some issues with, uh, he was sexually assaulted and, you know, he had, you know, some bullying and, um, some abuse because of that. And, you know, obviously because of all of that, he gained weight and he was kind of shunned and, you know, the public kind of like left him alone for a while and didn't really, you know, want much to do with him. And now like he's kind of coming back and, you know, he's doing more things now and you know i am just so so proud of him he's such a great actor he's a good person and he deserves so much more he did not deserve any bit of that you know the hate and the bullying that he received for all of that so i i'm just i'm really excited now to to you know now look at his new projects and i'm ready for him to come back and you know, obviously, with everything that happened, I would totally understand if he would not want to come back. But, you know, he, he obviously seems to love what he does. And so I'm glad that he now has this opportunity to come and do things and, you know, just, you know, be in the public eye once more. And, and I'm glad that people kind of acknowledge, you know, that what happened to him was really messed up and that it shouldn't have happened and that, you know, they're, they're embracing him once more. <laughs> I know he did a recent interview where he was told all of these things and he, you know, he kind of started getting teared up. He's, he he seems like such a sweet guy and and I'm just, I'm very proud of him, (laughs) I guess. Cool. And then um, if you like, haven't seen, if we wanted to talk more about Brendan Fraser and have one of those episodes, I don't know that we actually could, 
But um, I love him in Inkheart yes. as well. And that was like a 2008 movie, I think, mm-hmm. um, where he is a dad. And he, um, when he was younger, he used to be able to like read stories into life. Uh, mm-hmm. And so there's there's this really cute little family drama um, based around that. And it's got like the fantastical elements and stuff, too. So it's like one of those movies where I'm like, OK, now that we've seen The Mummy, we can also appreciate <laughs> Brendan by watching Inkheart because it's one of my favorites. And I always forget the name of it. I always want to call it Silver Tongue, which it's not. It's Inkheart. Um, but um, it just makes me so excited to like yeah uh know that he's coming back and to have been able to like appreciate something he's done in the past um that wasn't quite george of the jungle uh but you know he (laughs) also had he also had similar hair in uh the mummy for a little while there where i was like oh that's i think i think he just went out and got his george of the jungle yeah (laughs) like he's swinging in from the george of the jungle (laughs) set or something (laughs) although i know it wasn't made at the same time but still Yeah, but I was like, ooh, I think maybe he just kept that wig. Oh, it's very, very similar aesthetic. Right. Yes, yeah. So with that, um, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, for I think I did do a little bit of a stream of consciousness there for a hot minute. Yeah. Um, I am excited to hear what you guys think of the mummy. If you've seen it before, if you watch it again and want to talk to us about it, we're here for it. Um, coming up, we're going to be uh, hopefully trying to do um oh i forgot rachel weiss is married to daniel craig so yes. if anybody wants to to like watch some of those bond movies with me so we can like kind of segue into that i would be here for it i think i need to like watch like five bond movies and i'm not a james bond fan but um i would love to know what you guys think uh or what you can tell me to make me sit down and watch these movies because I kind of want to be there for it, just so I can, I kind of want to be there for it. I'm not, yeah. but I want I want I want to be. Um, and then even trying to get Tegan into something like that would be even <laughs> more funny, more hilarious. Um, but Dune came out, uh, and I want to talk about that with someone too. So um, I, I've already convinced Tegan she's going to watch it too, but she yes. might not be able to like satisfy my nerdy wants and desires for a little <laughs> while. So um, it, it if anybody wants to wants to hit me up and talk about it you know how to get in touch with us yep so with that i'm still Lindsay, <laughs> and i'm still tegan and thank you for getting nerdy with us today on beauties and head cannons.